when the metaphorical jail door closes, slams, and we are confined to our homes, where do we turn to stay sane during this time of crisis? Well, one way is to look for our comfort food, our media comfort food, in the form of podcasts, movies, albums, novels, poems, songs, and TV shows. This is a podcast where we ask artists and celebrities what their choices are as they try to stay sane during this global pandemic. Welcome to another edition of Quarantine Islandists. It's my great pleasure to introduce uh, someone who I've admired for a long time, ever since I heard uh, Streets of London, which has been covered uh, worldwide uh, by uh, over 200 uh, singers. And uh, uh, it's a a fabulous song. We'll be talking about it later. Uh, But um, Ralph uh, McTell, his real name is Ralph May, by the way, and uh, his, he took on the name McTell because of his admiration for Blind Willie McTell, a great uh, blues guitarist uh, of the early 20th century. And um, he uh, was born in London, lived, uh, grew up in Croydon, and um, went to grammar school, uh, joined the army, was not happy in, with army life, but then uh, 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 worked on a building site, became a busker, and uh, then found his true calling as an artist, as a singer, and uh, the rest, as they say, is history. I first asked Ralph how he was coping with lockdown. Self-isolating, they call it here, and uh, my wife and I are of a certain age, so we're staying in, but we have a small dog, and that means, means that we get out and give everybody a wide berth, but throw a ball to the dog for a while, and and that's about the sum of our going out at the moment. And that's hard for me because I'm, I'm a pretty gregarious guy. I like to go out and enjoy going to the pub in the evening. And all that's completely shut down here. Uh, there's hardly any cars on the street. It's like Christmas Day. Yeah, that's what I felt. It's like waking up to Christmas Day without the presents. Uh, no, exactly. No, uh, it gets a little old after a while. Uh, but you have to kind of make the best of it. As um, one of these... Uh, television pundit said, Al Sharpton, I don't know, you probably know him, uh, said that uh, you've got to make the time serve you. You don't serve the time. This is all, you know, prison law. <laughs> uh, so yeah. I thought that was, that was quite, quite good. Um, you know, yeah. so try to make the best of it is another way to say it. Um, so, um, you know, I said, you know, six things like uh, books, uh, keep you, uh, you know, obviously albums, uh, movies. People are binging these days on Netflix. Wherever you want to start on what, what, what's your, what's your kind of, uh, obviously the, 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 the pub is no longer available. So how are you compensating? Uh, are you using media to compensate for the, the, the loss of not, stuff? Not- I'm not. Uh, I'm not very good media-wise, to be honest with you. I'm. You know, I had to have help even with getting Skype to talk to you. Oh, okay. But I've got my daughter arranged for us to have a comfort, a family thing called the house party link up, which we we managed with. I have a son who lives in South Africa, 
Mm. I have another son who lives up uh, up country from here, and my daughter and son live uh, another daughter and son live very nearby. So we all had all four of us. The only thing was we all talking at the same time, and somebody got, and then people started laughing because we couldn't hear anything. And but uh, it was very, it was very pleasant. My way of passing the time here is uh, I have a piano and a guitar, and uh, I'm uh, I'm banging away on the piano for an hour a day, which is good for me because I. I just write on the piano normally, but I'm actually learning a few skills in this um, in this isolation, mm-hmm. and I can hear that I'm improving somewhat on the piano. My guitar playing is about the same, but I'm more dexterous, if anything, because I'm playing every day for at least an hour and a half, and the, and the time just flies away. Yeah. And thir- and thirdly, I have an enormous amount of correspondence. Well, for me, I seem to get a lot of correspondence. So one in every sort of four or five emails from People who like my music, I try and answer if they're uh, if they're particularly poignant or so, so or or particularly needing something. I'll respond to those in the morning, and then I've got this latest thing. One I've have one of my songs called uh, is called "The Girl from the Hiring Fair," which describes a boy and a girl meeting at what they these fairs that used to have in the country from you know from the Middle Ages onwards where. Um, casual labour would meet in the market square of a small town or village, and and people would come and, and uh, hire um, young men and not so young men uh, to work on the farms in the harvest time. And I thought it was a good place for boy meets girl. And then people said to me, "This is it's, it sounds like a song that could have come from a Thomas Hardy story." And and I thought, well, I'll I'll try and write one. And that was about 20 years ago, and I. This this has actually forced my hand a little bit, so I'm I'm having a go at it. It's proving much harder than I thought. I've got the plot all worked out, but Jesus, or you know, inverted commas and question marks and and yeah. stuff like that. But I have, uh, but I'm plowing away at that when I get restless. And and then the other thing I do is I go on um, I go on to um, in in in. in sites that um, specialize in old motor cars because there's something else I like and, and, and have dreams about owning cars and, uh, and my wife is here with me and I have the dog for company as well and so um, you know that pretty much I'm not I'm not feeling too bad about it I miss about the neutrality of a pub and, and seeing familiar faces but I'm coping I'm coping okay well, that's so good. Uh, it's really good that uh, you know, because art is is a special thing. If you have your gifts, which you have in spades, you know, it can take you places and uh, get you out of that that's you know horrible kind of fearful angst-ridden zone. Yes. Um, you know that we all kind of you, know, you it's the default setting you know, when you don't know what's going to happen. You just go in mm-hmm. back into the shell. Uh, but. Um, so, tell us a little bit about you know um, if you weren't so you know able to entertain yourself, mm. what what movies, songs, albums, books, whatever would you right? Well, that's, that? that's easy. That's easy too. Um, my my um, on the TV here when I'm uh, having a blank moment. We've we, we've got a couple of stations that show films made before nineteen. 
60, and that's the period, uh, you know, I grew up mm-hmm. and have memories that extend to the late 40s, 1949. Yeah. It's my early, uh, 40, maybe even before that, um, I've got memories. But uh, I like looking at films made around that time through the 50s and and um, in, a, in a kind of rose-tinted spectacles, nostalgic way. I enjoy those, and but my... My other black and white heroes are Laurel and Hardy. I don't think anyone could be blue and not and, and watch Stan and Ollie, who are mm. two. I think they're geniuses, you know. And I, I just love their films, and I've always loved them. And I find more in them and uh, more subtlety than a lot of modern uh, mm. uh, broad humour. I think they're they're subtle and they're clever, and there's great dynamism between the two. I actually love them, and I've seen I've seen them loads of times. And I also I love. Uh, Peter Sellers uh, is a great British comedian and character actor, uh, and very funny man. I can't take my eyes off of him, and he's uh, and I've loved his work since I was a kid. And they had a radio show here, here called The Goon Show, which oh, yeah. was uh, I used to huge, to yeah. yeah, serialistic humour on the radio for half an hour a week. And me and my little pal at school. Uh, before we were 11, we could memorize the whole script and mm. d- do all the voices as we were going to school in the morning. But Sellers is a genius, and I and I love his stuff. So black and white films are a diversion and and reflect on England when it was a different different country to the way it is now. And I think we were kinder to each other and more simpatico than perhaps we've become. But on the positive side, I think this dreadful virus thing is showing that communities can break down the, uh, the uh, barriers that seem to have gone up, and they're helping each other and and uh, forming little committees to help older people. And we even had a, a letter early on in the crisis from a young woman at the far end of the road who I don't even know, saying, if, if I can do any shopping for you or walk the dog, just let us know. And I, I suddenly felt incredibly old because I... <laughs> Um, you know, it was just kind, and that, and that's a word we we seem to have lost mm. sight of kindness. You know, just general kindness and consideration for others, and this seems to be engendering some sort of communal spirit spirit here. I'm sure it will in America if it hasn't already, or if it's even needed in America. I'm sure oh, we we have a, an impression that in America people are kind and considerate to each other, especially neighbors neighbours and so on so but uh, it seemed to it, the edge of it has been dulled recently and um, you know music obviously you've got a great passion for music who do you who do you go to in terms of uh, listening to various well, artists I am I am a, an enormous fan if it hadn't been for the American musicians um, uh, in 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 lyric terms my heroes are Randy Newman, Bob Dylan, Woody Guthrie, uh, lots of singer-songwriters, that, but they're the principal ones. Woody was my first hero. But it's the guitar that, that, that occupies and has been my stimulus into arts um, more than anything else. And your black musicians in America who turned uh, the guitar on its head and played fingerstyle blues and rags and... They just amaze me, and I mean, most of them. I had the great privilege of meeting Reverend Gary Davis before we died, and oh, doing yeah. one of his last concerts. And I have always, if I want to just listen to something, I probably would listen to, uh, 
you know, Reverend Davis or Arthur Blake or Big Bill Brunsey or Blind Boy Fuller, one of the great, any of the great American fingerstyle blues guitarists. And I'm in awe of these men and I learned to play by listening. To, I don't sound uh, black when I play, but I can play, play some of that stuff pretty well. And, I, and when I was first starting out, I used to say, well, this is a Blind Boy Fuller song, knowing full well no one would know the original anyway. But I'd been on my own little voyage of discovery with these wonderful musicians from the age of about 16. And, um, and I still do throw a few rags in occasionally to the, in the concert. I mean, most people come for my own songs, I'm thankful to say, but I've never forgotten the debt I owe these great musicians and I've I made an album in 1986 I think called Blue Skies Black Here I was dedicated to them all where I played just tracks by by these men from Muddy Waters Peg Leg Hound Blind Boy Fuller Mississippi John Hurt all these great guitar players who opened up the guitar for me and uh, and that's where I developed my style from there did you ever come across a woman, an American singer called Sister Rosetta Tharp? She came. I oh, saw her. Oh, you did. Tell us some more because I I've was been up in the audience when she played in Croydon. Yeah, Sister Rosetta Tharp with a white guitar, and I also saw Lonnie Johnson and uh, and uh, later on I saw Muddy Waters as players well and Reverend Gary Davis on stage. That was the first time I ever saw him. Mm. Ah, uh, just blow, they blow. These guys blow me away, and they still do. I still love the music. I think pro probably the one person that I w have been trying to sound like is um, Arthur Blake, Blind Blind Blake, basically, who made recordings in the twenties and up to the early thirties. And I don't think I've ever ever heard anyone who can get what he what he gets out of an acoustic guitar. I mean, I also like Django Reinhardt and, and jazz guitar players as well, but the blokes that intrigue me are the ones who make the piano, that make the guitar sound like a piano, and they're my heroes. And I go, I just, I'm, I'm in awe. I'm in awe of them. So that that would be something that I would go to. If I want intellectual stimulus and, and total admiration, it's probably Randy Newman still. And Bob Dylan continues to delight and puzzle me at yeah. any equal measure. So. At the same time, he puzzles everybody. His latest thing on about Kennedy, the Kennedy uh, by, by that. I suppose it's kind of folky in a way, but... Yeah. Um, I've heard that song, yeah. Um, it's it's really, just, I just got it the other day and I had a good listen to it. And, I, and It's vintage Bob, isn't it? I don't know. It sounds, I'm trying to date it. I don't know when he wrote it or when he put, when it was uh, first recorded, but there's a, there's an out of tune piano and a, a, a fairly unimaginative uh, fiddle play on it. But the, the messages and images are, are pure Bob. Exactly. Um, and, um, you know, I mean, looking is it is it wrong to be so nostalgic about that era, the '60s era, or was this because is it like dating you too much? Well, I'm I'm not. I it's it's my time. Yeah. It was my time as a young man. I came of age. Mm -hmm. And in, and in 1960, I got married in 1960. I had my first son in 19 in the '60s. The music and, and the revolution that took place that everyone takes for granted now was very, very exciting. And it was, was a might small part of it. One of the tiny cogs that were, you know, were, were, were soaking up like a sponge. I guess every generation feels like that. But I think the 60s was particular. There hadn't been anything like it before. And for teenagers and, and 
and for aspiring artists and musicians, you know, and painters as that for that matter, I think. What, what do you think happened uh, to kind of, what should I say? Is there still a 60s legacy or is it just vanished and uh, it's just there? I think it's vanished because... It's vanished because, you know, the bit that we were interested in has been turned into an industry yeah. and it's managed by people. It's been it's being managed by people with lots and lots of money who just earn it for money. There was art, pure art in the 60s. People did it because they were inspired to do it. And, and of course, they were always copied and, and you know grab hold of the coattails of the real art but there was real art being made in the 60s not just here in England but in Britain but also in America and uh, and it and it went around the world um, but but you know this I think that the cradle of it all was uh, you know young working working class uh, art your boys mostly I have to say who found the American blues music and loved it and tried to mimic it. You know, one thinks of the Stones, but they were... It seemed to be building, cultivating. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, of course, the Beatles are pretty uh, important in this period, too, because they, they, they are the ones that keep evolving, keep pushing the limits, you know, in a way, for people. Uh, and that, that line you, you're talking about between the commercialism and the art, artist nature of this, mm. this movement, if you want, uh, is there in the Beatles. That tension is there all the time as they move. Definitely. Extraordinary music. And when I hear it, you know, an unbelievable piece of work. I could not believe. And I heard it on a crappy little system, and it still moved me. Mm. It moves me still. Melodically and lyrically, you know, you have to put McCartney and, and uh, great American songwriters and melodies. I mean, I think we, we rock music continues, but melodic writing, good, great songs that will last and last and last are um, a rarer commodity. In my so, are there things that we are um, the, basically we're missing? If we're binging on Netflix and doing all the consumption of media, we're not paying attention to things that we should pay attention to. Maybe books and reading and, uh, is something we mm -hmm. can pay more attention to. Is, but it's hard to concentrate in a period like this where you, you know, all these thoughts and ideas yes. are coming uh, and news is so important. Uh, but do you find time to, to sit down with a book? Very seldom. Uh, and if I do, it had to be biography. It has to be truth. It has to be uh, somebody's version, not just somebody's version. It has to be the truth as, as I can get. So I read a lot of biography. I like uh, biography and autobiography. I'm not a novelist at all, I must be honest. I, I think I want to know what's really going on rather than what might. Yeah, so what, which autobiographies or biographies have you been uh, most impressed with? Biography I probably ever read was Oscar Wilde's by someone called Elman. Um, then I read uh, one of a surprisingly good autobiography was written by Bob Geldof, which I re really enjoyed. But I mean, I read. I've just finished a recently, fairly recently finished a book on the battle on Waterloo, the Battle of Waterloo, composed of letters back from the front, and I'm fascinated by the First World War and the letters of the soldiers and so on. Not particularly good at 
picking up um, battle plans and things like that. But I'm, I'm interested in the humanity of the people that are involved and the, and the guy and the Duke of Wellington fascinates me as well um, mm. uh, for all kinds of reasons. Um, um, so I've read, I, I regard some, um, like I, I was very um, impressed by Sylvia Plath's book, um, Ariel, which I read about 30 years ago. But I mean, I tend to just pick up things that if I do sit down and, and read, it, it's got to be some of the last book I read was um, This Is Gonna Hurt by a doctor in, uh, in an emergency, um, and we call it accident emergency, which is a hilarious but painful book to read um, by a, a man called Adam Kay. That was that was factual and uh, and um, and enjoyable and educative. I think so. That's my sort of thing. And it can, I mean, the last time I actually read novels, my favourite writer was another American, John Steinbeck. I absolutely loved him because he crisscrossed over with the Grapes of Wrath, as you call it, um, which was an inspiration to Woody Guthrie and music. And but you know, so Steinbeck impressed Woody. Woody wrote the songs. I heard Woody Guthrie, and 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 you know, started playing guitar and stuff like that, and then found all this other stuff. I suppose. So those books, those early books by Steinbeck, Henry wrote Tortilla Flat and uh, Mice and Men and the short stories, I absolutely loved them. And that was just after Jack Kerouac and the poets that I read because I thought they had secret knowledge in them. <laughs> was important to me. I still think they do, probably. Yeah. Okay. Um, last question uh, with regard to media. Uh, are you into podcasts at all? The latest form of entertainment? Um, no, I haven't. I've done a few. I've done some interviews, on, but I haven't. I'm, again, you know, I'm so technically inept that I, I, I tend not to, but I'm sure I shall. This is we're in for the long run here yes. in England, I think, in Britain. Um, and I'm hearing from doctors and friends of mine that say uh, it could easily be October. It could easily be this time next year. So okay. we, you know, I'm I'm sure a lot of habits will change, and uh, you know, and, and maybe I'll learn how to work my phone. At least. <laughs> <laughs> nice, yeah. <laughs> but uh, you're doing quite well, I'm sure. You're. Um I mean, just to be able I, I tell you, one of the more challenging things is I, I tried to learn the guitar, and I just total. I, I don't know how you can. Um, it's a, it's a labor, really yeah. difficult. It's a labor of love, Lawrence. Every yeah. I mean, I'd say every time I open the lid of my guitar case to take the guitar out, I get a little rush. It's very small now, but it's still there, mm -hmm. and I still love it. You know. Yeah, I mean, it's so important to get, to, to feel that connection with and. and uh, just mm -hmm. an amazing sort of gift that you have, and the, but I'm sure you worked at it very, very hard in the early, early years. Oh man, I'm not a natural. I tell you, I mean, I'm, I'm, I can, I can, I can sing in tune just about. I made a living out of it. But I mean, guitar is a challenge, and the piano is a challenge, and this. It, but it's so worthwhile. I'm not, when I hear the real geniuses like Jimi Hendrix and you know guitar players like Django Reinhardt. I mean, the, that's in the company of genius. Most of us just have to. <clears throat> it's perspiration rather than inspiration. You know, it's like we have to work hard at it. Do you? Uh, but it's worth it. Do you have a special uh, 
way do you listen to uh, your music? I mean, is, do you have some very hi-fi setup with the original vinyl and and uh, all the uh, well. valves and all that stuff? <laughs> no, well, as a matter of fact, I promised myself I would because that's how I first heard the, you know, the depth of when you go into recording studios the first time, that was the first time I heard how music could really sound. And I remember my, I'm so old, my first LP long in mono, that's how old I am. Oh, okay. But it's still, I was taken to a friend's house who knew somebody who had brick built enclosures with bass and, and I heard my own stuff on, on a record player. And I've just, I gave away my turntable and my albums, and I've just acquired a turntable, and I'm looking at it now. It's not even plugged in yet, and I've got a small, smallish amplifier and some big old-fashioned speakers, And because we've been doing a bit of a refurb here, and I hope it won't be long before I can <clears throat> occasionally listen to I mean, I would be, say that I, I would be listening to acoustic music, like orchestral or, or acoustic music, and some of it from the 1920s is, is really poorly recorded, but I, I can go through all that crackle and hiss and clicks. If the music is good, I, I, I just hear the music, not the interference and the scratchy records. So I'm not a hi-fi buff, but I'm, I'm going to probably treat myself to a, a valve amp because there is something about... Ralph, I can't resist asking you this final question. Uh, how did you come to write Streets of London by all time? You know, you've been asked this question before. How did you come to write it? What, what, what inspired you the most to get that? Well, <clears throat> I have been asked it on uh, almost every interview I've ever done, and I, sometimes I search for it, but, 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 because, but because, you know, it's what I'm best known for, and I have to face up to that. I don't think it's my best song, but I do have to acknowledge that it, no, nothing I've ever written has traveled the world and done what it has done. And so I, I suppose it's interesting to know that it's probably um, reflects my interest in, in, in people, in humanity. And when I was a little boy, and, or young man anyway, certainly before I joined the yeah, as a kid and all that stuff. I did associate, I w was always intrigued by tramps and people living inside and, and outside society. And the people in my song are not homeless. In fact, only we, only one of them could be homeless in the, in the, in the, in the song. And that's the lady with the, the bag lady. There are other, other, but it's become an anthem. It seems to signify, you know, it's become associated with homelessness. Mm -hmm. I was more interested in alienation because I had a friend who was um, who made himself uh, deliberately planned to become a junkie, and because we used to get heroin was applied on National Health Service at, at one point for addicts, and he had a plan, and he went and he alienated himself. And when I was trying to persuade him that the love of his friends was more important than making a living out of selling junk, I thought about these other people that were doing the same sort of thing, why do, Why would you want to uh, be sort of isolated in a city like London, which is so impersonal, and, uh, and it's not like the, the nobility of the tramp on the road who who's, keeps on moving, and, and they live in, you know, within us, within the city, and yet outside it at the same time. So that's what was intriguing. He, he, he won or 20 
21 or 22 when I wrote that. Yeah. And, you know, it was just a simple uh, say, come on, man, get it, you know, look at these people, these people, these are really, you don't have to be this way. But it was never taken that way. And so, I mean, that was the real... Yeah, I, I sort of moved away from the strictly narrative songs, but then I've come back to them again because it's something I seem to have a bit of a knack with. And I, I mentioned at the start of this interview, Girl from the Hiring Fairies, and there's, there's plenty of songs like that. And on the last album I've done, um, there's there's some more of that stuff as well. I, I, I kind of... I like songs to have... A, you know, there's plenty of people who make pop songs. I like to tell stories in the songs if I can. I'm still working on the five, Steinbeck's five rules for writing a short story, and I can't remember them all, but uh, but I've I've kind of adapted them to write and write a song. And I do want a punchline. I do want a chorus. I do want a memorable melody. I do want to try and keep it short, and I never manage that. That's why I admire someone like like uh, Randy Newman who doesn't try in if you get this you get it and and he can work with an economy of of line that uh, that good artists can do but i like good drawers and painters i can't do that i need to i have more detail in my soul so they tend to be a bit longer but randy can get the same thing in in two and a half minutes that it takes me 10 <laughs> but uh, you know that's his skill it's his particular skill and uh, and uh, long may it continue Look, it's been fun. We uh, I've gone past my a lot of time here. I really appreciate. It. No, no, no. It's fun. Uh, I lots of luck. I hope uh, both of us we will get through this and come out the other end better and stronger and the rest of it. Uh, sure <laughs> not thing. any richer, but stronger. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was fun talking to uh, you. Anyway, uh, right. thanks a lot, Lawrence. I really we got there in the end. Yeah, we, oh, we got there in the end. Uh, Next week is Pretty Tangella. She's just written a fantastic novel called We That Are Young. And it's based about on King Lear, and uh, I can't wait to talk with her about her quarantine island disc. Until then, thanks again, and uh, I can't say enough about our previous guest, Ralph McTell. I uh, hope you'll buy his records and listen more to his great uh, set of songs, uh, really timeless songs. Thanks very much, Ralph. Bye. Sitting there on his own Looking at the world over the rim Of his teacup And each tea lasts an hour And he wanders home alone So how can you tell me That you're alone And he said for you that the sun don't shine Take you by the hand and lead you through the streets of London. I'll show you something to make you change your mind.